The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Thank you, Doshan. Thank you, Tori. Everyone can hear me? Thumbs up. Yay. At least everyone in the Zendo here in New Paltz gave me a thumbs up. So and, um, it's really, really nice to sit with you all uh, this morning and see you all. Uh, I'm seeing a little too much of myself. Let me go to gallery. Here we are. Now I see you all. Um, uh, to join you all today, you know, in the Zendo in Manhattan and our own Zendos at home and here in New Paltz to be together. Uh, it's just a joy. And uh, this morning as I was sitting, I was just so grateful for our practice of Zazen. Uh, just the simplicity of our practice is really, uh, I'm struck by it over and over again for years of practice. And I'm still like, wow, this is a really amazing uh, gift that we give ourselves when we sit down uh, and just see things as they are. And so here in New Paltz, and perhaps where you are as well, spring has has finally arrived. While our winter was not so rough, it um, it, it didn't leave like a lamb. It left more like a lion uh, in our last uh, few storms that we had up here. But now, now it's really arrived, and our plants are under grow lights ready to go into the garden and the crocuses have pushed their way up through uh, the last vestiges of snow and even daffodils uh, have finally arrived up here. So uh, it's really it's starting to happen. I can feel it in the air. The birds uh, are now returning and those that have stayed over were hearing in our zendo, so it's not so much the roar of our heater or the fire, but it's the sound of birds and uh, everything is shifting. And And I'm touched really by the crocuses who show up first to the party. Uh, I'm amazed by their fragility, how um, fragile they are, that just a, a rain or a strong wind could take them out uh, so easily. And yet they're persistent in returning each year, um, coming back and showing up and waking up and in so doing, hopefully uh, waking us up as well. So I've shared in the past uh, the struggles of being a homeowner and uh, the things that come with owning a, an old house and all the work that it entails. In the past, I gave a talk about my septic system. Don't worry, you won't be hearing about my septic system today. As a matter of fact, my bathroom seems to be working really well. We even uh, solved a, a uh, persistent leak in the shower. Well, I say we, my husband actually solved a persistent leak in the shower. So the, uh, the bathroom deities seem to be appeased at this moment. Um, but we had to address our kitchen deities, uh, which were really in need of being addressed. And so the house that we inhabit is uh, from the early 50s, and uh, it was built by a uh, father and daughter, the daughter being a rodeo star. And the property held rodeo shows back in the early 50s. And I'm not really sure, I don't have all the details on this. I do wanna do a deep dive and get the history on it. But uh, 
The house itself is very dark, as you can sort of see even in the Zendo, a secondary property, lots and lots and lots of wood, wood on wood on wood, um, and lots of brown and low ceilings. So it's, it's a bit cave-like and making the kitchen even more cave-like where I don't know why they chose brown tiles to go with the brown walls and brown counters and brown cabinets, but it too is very dark. And so we said the time has come to pull these tiles up. And while we can't do anything fancy, perhaps we can put down other peel and stick linoleum titles that are perhaps a bit brighter than what is currently on the floor, making it so uh, dark and cave-like. So these tiles were not easy to take up at all. They had 72 years of being you know, present on their subfloor, and it took a lot of work to pull them up. Very, very frustrating. And even given the incredibly gracious help of Manchin, who has been staying with us, thank you, Manchin, um, we're still not entirely done. <laughs> we're 99.9% .9 of the way there. We almost finished yesterday, but there's still some work to be completed uh, with these tiles. So hopefully in a couple of weekends, uh, when the whole crew is back, we'll be able to putty up the holes in the wood and put down the adhesive and put down new tiles. A couple of days of work early on in the removing of the tiles, I worked by myself. I was alone. And as I work as a nurse in college health, it was uh, spring break. So it was uh, a good time for me to take a couple of days uh, of my own and say, all right, I'm gonna bang out some of this work by myself at home. And I was very struck by the thoughts that came up as I was working. Uh, so there were, you know, thoughts of this sort of heroic mind of I'm going to do this all by myself. I'm going to complete this entire project, you know, hopefully in this next day or two. Uh, my husband will come home and see the incredible work I've done and be so impressed. And, you know, it's going to be amazing and vacillating quickly to this is utter bullshit. I can't believe I'm on my hands and knees on this floor, my back hurts, my hands are blistered, my forearms hurts, there are muscles in my hands I didn't know I had that are painful. Um, why do I have to do this? Why isn't someone um, you know, paid to do this? How come I don't have the money to hire someone to come in and do this so I can lounge poolside? Why isn't my life some other life other than the life of scraping tiles off this floor? Um, and, uh, you know, I, I quickly could go to blame. I blame my husband. He should live here, you know, seven days a week, not three days a week and be in the city. You know, he needs to take responsibility for this. I blamed myself. Um, how come I'm not some other person who makes more money, who can afford all these things? Um, and, you know, as I did all of this, the tiles were just there doing what they do bearing witness to my stories, bearing witness to, uh, you know, everything that my brain was generating around them. And they served a bit like my Zazen or our Zazen to allow me to just come back to the tiles um, and, you know, recognize that my stories about stuff were extra. Uh, so like Zazen, it took some concentration to remove these tiles from the subfloor. And I find it interesting that I was taking it off the subfloor, <laughs> something underneath. It took some, took some tile time to remove it. And as I was scraping them up, I couldn't help but wonder 
what have these tiles seen over the years? What have they bared witness to? Uh, who walked on them, who loved on them, fought on them, cried on them, mourned on them, shared joy on these tiles that I was pulling up that had been glued into position in this cave of a kitchen for more years than Bodhidharma spent in his cave, 72 years of practice, study continual practice, these tiles um, had offered us. And when my thought generator would whip up ideas of privilege or heroism or resentments, the tiles just kept bearing witness uh, to my stories, my opinions, ideas. Uh, and in so doing, they offered me a very profound teaching uh, with their deep practice free of like and dislike and their projections free of karmic ripples, calling me back again and again and again to this moment mind. And, you know, I think a lot about our Zazen, you know, is to practice this moment, this moment, this moment. And, you know, in, in taking up the tiles, I was really cognizant of, of my projector, you know, uh, really like a film projector that I, this light inside is sending out of this skin sack, you know, like frames in a film. Nen, 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 we chant in the Enmei Juku Kanongyo, you know, ideas that we string together or I string together so quickly that it gives me the sense of time passing and some story. And yet the tiles <laughs> are preaching one singular Dharma. And, uh, there's a great uh, story about the tiles preaching Dharma by Dogen, um, and it's in his fascicle, Mujo Seppo, the insentient beings, insentient beings speak Dharma. So start, Dogen starts this fascicle like this. Speaking Dharma by means of speaking Dharma actualizes the fundamental point that Buddha ancestors entrust to Buddha ancestors. This speaking Dharma is spoken by Dharma. Speaking Dharma is neither sentient nor insentient. It is neither creating nor not creating. It doesn't depend on conditions. This being so, just as birds fly in the air, speaking Dharma leaves no trace. It is just given to Buddhist practitioners. And I'm, I'm really touched by that to the point like it makes me almost tear up now. It's just given to us. It's, uh, there's nothing to work for. There's nothing to be attained. There's nothing to strive for. We just need to be open to receiving this Dharma and to recognize that it was here all along. So it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy at all if it was only easy. And our whole practice is dedicated to uh, being present to this moment. Uh, and as I was saying, you know, thinking about how, how do we use this moment? You know, what projections do we use? What projections do I use in the moment? Am I like a bird leaving no trace? Or are my projections dependent on conditions? And I wish I could say I was free from it all. Uh, that it was a one and done sort of thing. But it's not. As I was working and, uh, you know, in each breath, up comes hero mind, up comes failure mind, up comes, you know, whatever is coming up, the stories that we're built to generate, you know, this is what we do. Uh, and so how do we counter 
those, you know, ideas and those thoughts that so rapidly arise and seem to have some sort of truth behind them. Uh, you know, I, I think what we do is we practice Zazen. That's why I practice Zazen. And I think that is why Dogen and Bodhidharma and all of our ancestors uh, prescribed this. It's the only medicine for me that has genuinely worked at dismantling uh, my projector, <laughs> you know, taking it, taking it apart a little bit and letting me see what it is I actually, uh, you know, project out into the world. Am I leaving traces? Can you see the path of the bird, so to speak? Uh, and in this, in this uh, fascicle, there's a koan um, embedded in it that I think speaks to it a little, uh, offers us some clarity and inroad into this. Uh, and so I will share the koan with you. The national teacher, Hui Song, was asked by a student, can the insentient preach the Dharma or not? And he replied, obviously, insentient beings always preach the Dharma. The speaking never stops. The monk asked, why don't I hear it? Wei Zhang said, you don't hear it, but it doesn't mean others don't hear it. The monk asked, tell me who hears it? Wei Zhang said, all the sages do. And the monk asked, do you hear it, sir? And Wei Zhang replied, no, I don't hear it. And the monk persisted. If you cannot hear it, how do you know that insentient beings can understand and preach this dharma? And Wei Zhang responded, this fortunate person doesn't hear it. If I did, I would be equal to all the sages. Then you could not hear me expound the dharma. And the monk said, if so, human beings would be left out. And Wei Zhang said, I don't speak to hum to I speak to human beings. I don't speak to sages. And the monk asked, what happens when human beings, what happens to human beings when they hear you? And Wei Zhang said, they are no longer sentient. Sentient and insentient have nothing to do with it. When everything throughout space and time is seen as speaking Dharma, what, where, who isn't expounding the Dharma. But I can, and I think we can all fall prey to uh, kind of categorizing you know, things that speak the Dharma better than other things. You know, we, oh, I, I'll hear it over here, but not here. Um, you know, I left New York City over 10 years ago now, and uh, first was living in Provincetown on the Cape. Uh, and I'm sure Fugan Sensei and Seijin and the Hyena Sendo can tell you that the waves and the sounds of the waves and the sands of that, uh, you know, sandbar of Cape Cod expound the Dharma beautifully. And here in the Hudson River Valley, where I live now in New Paltz, the mountains and the clouds and the crocuses coming forth expound the Dharma so exquisitely. And even there, Dogen cautions us a bit. And he says in this fascicle, foolish people may think that the sound of trees or the opening and falling of leaves and flowers is insentient beings speaking Dharma. Such people are not studying Buddha Dharma. <laughs> if it were so, who would know and hear insentient beings speaking Dharma? Reflect now. Are there grasses, trees, and forests in the world of insentient beings? 
is the world of insentient beings mis mixed with the world of sentient beings. Furthermore, to regard grass and trees insentient is not thoroughgoing. To regard insentient beings as grass, trees, tiles, and pebbles is not enough. We have to let go of all of it, the whole enchilada. The idea of sentient and insentient. Then the tiles. The tiles will hear us, and perhaps we'll hear the tiles. We'll hear the dharma of a female rodeo star from the 1950s, the cheers of her audience. Uh, we'll hear maybe even further back than that. We'll hear back to the Munsi Lenape, who were on this land prior to them. Perhaps the slaves that the Huguenots owned in the area who worked this land. Um, and now we hear Joan and Scott and Ruby the dog, the crackling of my fire, and the New Paltz Zen Center Sangha. Uh, and while my back is, is really sore, <laughs> and my legs hurt, and my knees hurt, and my hands hurt, and I've got blisters, um, and the labor isn't done. I'm thankful for the time I spent with my tile teachers. Uh, they, they offered a lot over these days, uh, bringing me back to the moment again and again and again. And yesterday, as Scott and I worked, uh, getting up the almost the last of these tiles. He served as DJ, as he often does. And yesterday's soundtrack uh, was mostly disco classics, 1970s disco classics, which I will say is conducive to manual labor, at least for me. Uh, and as I walked up to the Zendo this morning and, you know, blue, purple crocuses and white crocuses and yellow daffodils coming forth. Um, I thought about this song uh, and thought I'd offer it to you. So I'm going to leave you with a song by Michael Masser as sung by Diana Ross, and you will likely recognize it. Touch me in the morning. We're blue and gold, and we could feel one another living. We walked with a dream to hold and we could take what the world was given. There's no tomorrow here. There's only love and the time to chase it. Yesterday's gone, my love. There's only now, and it's time to face it. 